what up what up what up greetings from earth this is not your leader my name is whack ops how are you doing i'm excited to be here today i hope you are too we got a lot of good news this week y'all did y'all see what what uh valve did to nintendo they snuck one they snuck one we're gonna get into that a little bit later but let's just jump right into some of the headline news some of the little stories that popped up this week before we really get into the the chunky stuff so First things first, we had Super Mario 64. Did you guys hear about this copy of Super Mario 64 selling for $1.56 million? That's a lot of dough for one copy of a game. Now, this is a 9.8 A++ rating on the WADA grading scale. Now, I'm not familiar because I'm not a collector, but I assume they are the standard bearer for what uh, condition your product is in that you're trying to resell or whatever collector's item you have. So <clears throat> 9.88, I don't know what was keeping that 0.2 from a, a perfect 10, but neither here nor there. This was actually sold off by Heritage Auctions. Now, if you look into the history of Heritage Auctions, you'll probably find some you know, unsavory stuff as far as investigations on manipulating different auctions so heritage auctions has a, a checkered past when it comes to how they do business in our next story let's talk about cyberpunk once again the story that just won't die i i'm amazed i <laughs> at the fact that cyberpunk is number one in sales for the playstation 4 in the u.s canada and europe this is beating out Call of Duty, GTA, Minecraft, FIFA, all the mainstays. Now, Cyberpunk didn't put out some big patch or some big update. They have peppered us with some different updates and one big one, I think it was 1.23 or something like that. But I'm impressed that so many people bought this game only because of how much hate this game got out of the gate. So... I'm curious if this is people who got their refund and wanted to play the game again, or if this is people who um, waited it out, quote unquote, or if this is people who maybe are in the casual space who heard about the bad news kind of out on the peripherals and then have heard it re-releasing and are finally able to buy it. It was only out for a week on the Sony PlayStation Store, so I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people miss their opportunity because they're not tapped in to every pulse of the gaming space and didn't know, quite frankly, maybe they were busy. December 10th, I believe, is when it dropped of last year. Uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of their consumer base was in school. So, you know, say what you want. Maybe it was going to be a Christmas gift. Maybe they were going to buy it with their uh, PlayStation gift cards they got from Christmas. I could see how a lot of PlayStation people missed out on Cyberpunk. But for it to be number one on the sales charts for them, at least in the U.S., Canada, and Europe, is surprising. And again, I will reiterate, this is PS4, not PS5. Um, and these are the sales charts in the month of June. It's not the PS5 because what came out at the beginning of the month, Ratchet and Clank. So obviously it wasn't going to beat out Ratchet and Clank. Um, but I do think it's interesting. Uh, this is a hell of a story. And let's see where it goes from here. Honestly, it this might be enough of a push, and if there's enough of a conversation in the space, it might get me to pick the game back up and re-download it after they add some new content, because I played, I played a lot of that game. 
I, I, I cleared almost every uh, district in the game. I was excited about this game, but I played through a hundred hours of a buggy mess and I want my money's worth. And I feel like I still haven't got it. So moving on before, <laughs> before I go down another tangent about my personal uh, uh, feelings uh, at CDPR. Let's talk about Netflix gaming. Now, this is coming out of Bloomberg. This is a hell of a story. We had heard rumors about this a couple months ago, but apparently Netflix is trying to make a headway into the gaming space. And I'll get into my feelings after we read a little bit from the Bloomberg piece. So, quote, Netflix Incorporated, marking its first big move beyond television shows and films, is planning an expansion into video games as an, and has hired a former Electronic Arts Incorporated and Facebook executive to lead the effort. Mike Verdu will join Netflix as the vice president of game development, reporting to chief operating officer Greg Peters, the company said on Wednesday. Verdu was previously Facebook's vice president in charge of working with developers to bring games and other content to Oculus virtual reality headsets. The idea is to offer video games on Netflix's streaming platform within the next year, according to a person familiar with the situation. The game will appear alongside current fare as a new program genre, similar to what Netflix did with documentaries or stand-up specials. The company doesn't currently plan to charge extra for the content, said, a per- said, said the person, who has asked not to be identified because the deliberations are private. So I won't get into the specifics of it because I don't know enough about Mr. Mike Verdu, but apparently he has a hell of a track record. I, I won't really even get into how they're specializing it or the, the pricing or any of the specifics because, quite frankly, this is still somewhat in rumor territory, even if it is coming out of Bloomberg. Not rumor in the sense that it's not true, but rumor in the sense that we don't have any details. We have z- oh, virtually no details. They're saying it's going to be a playlist. They're going to have a playlist of video games. Cool. What controller do I use? How do how is that integrated into different platforms? That it's just it's a whole it's a whole lot of questions I have about how they're going to roll this out and how they're going to attack all. I mean the big three: Nintendo, Xbox, Sony. How they're going to attack the the PC space? How they're going to be able to stream? Uh, if that's even the plan, or they're going to download, how they're going to deal with storage. I have too many questions about this. But my main question is this. Are they going to go the way of Apple Arcade and kind of quietly be an option for like the most casual of us, I would say? I, I would say a lot of people, a lot of capital G gamers would consider the mobile mobile gaming space like the most casual gaming space. They use it as a derogative, but I I wouldn't say that they're wrong in the sense that I would say most people who play on their phones are casual only because it's the most accessible form of of gaming because everyone has a phone. So Apple Arcade found success because what's $5 on whatever money you're already giving to Apple a month? You know what I mean? I think that that was a smart business strategy and they found a price point that worked for them and they found a market that worked for them where they have a check coming in every month and they don't have to worry about competing with XYZ. But on the other side, (laughs) who do we have? Google Stadia. And I mean, honestly, Amazon Luna, I don't know how many people have a lot of faith in Amazon Luna gaming 
uh, technology or or as a platform how they do business. I don't know enough about them to even know. I ha- I haven't heard enough to care, which is disappointing. But as far as Google Stadia, it I would say that for a company that has the biggest ad platform of the planet, as well as probably the best streaming option currently available for them to miss the mark makes me scratch my head so for how easy it is to totally whiff if google and i i know a lot of people it's not it's not like a a hot take to be like dude if google couldn't do it with all their power and influence then how how does netflix do it i guess the only other option would be facebook but they're not a social media company so that's kind of that's not really in the conversation because facebook gaming kind of has its own thing that I'm sure they're getting a check from too similar to Apple Arcade. If I'm really asking myself, what do I think of Netflix gaming as a as a platform? Uh, just in my head when that when that thought occurs, no, I'm not excited. I think it's it's gonna turn out pretty pretty underwhelming, um, and I hope it doesn't. But if it does, I have plenty of options. Some of which we're gonna talk about later in the show. But moving on, we're going to jump into the real. This is the movie TV portion of the show. First things first, before we get into the MCU news, as we do every week, because the MCU makes the news every week, let's talk about The Witcher 2. Now, The Witcher series on Netflix has been revived for season two. We knew that already, but it has a release date that we found out at WitcherCon this year. And that is December 17th. So all of you who are excited about the Witcher series, you will get to see the continuation of that come the holiday season. Next, let's talk about Black Widow. No, I did not see it. I hope you did. But from what I can discern from non-spoilery reviews, I can wait. I can wait. I'm not going to miss some big reveal. I'm not going to miss some key piece of information. At the end of the day, watching all these MCU, like Disney Plus shows, I would say like I, I'm I'm more disappointed with their choice uh, to wait this long to get Black Widow her solo film. I think that she was a strong character from Jump. I was asking this as, as soon as I saw her in, uh, what was that, Captain America and the Winter Soldier? I was like, why isn't she more of a central focus? Why doesn't she have her own film? It seems like her story has more depth and texture than half of the Avengers. Oh, I was born a god. Oh, I got zapped by radioactive this. Or I t- like, come on, man. I got a metal suit. Like, not not to undercut <laughs> all the other Avengers, but like the fact that she ha- she can hand to hand hang with these superpowered individuals is amazing and i think she is long overdue and i'll probably watch it from home i'll probably end up buying it from home if anything and shoot that money straight to uh straight through disney plus anyway moving on let's talk about deadpool's mcu debut who would have guessed this Ryan Reynolds posts a reaction video to a trailer for his new film, a Sony film at that, uh, Free Guy. And he has done this before where he reacts as Deadpool. But this time he brought along Korg. Korg being the rock dude from Thor Ragnarok, played by Taka Waititi. 
And you got to go watch this. It's it's great. It's hilarious. It's probably one of my favorite things that I've seen this week. It probably would have made my shout out of the week this week if uh, I didn't have so much uh, good people to talk about. But this technically, I believe, counts as his MCU debut coming alongside Korg. I'm surprised that Marvel went ahead and did the full mocap uh, motion capture for Korg for this YouTube video. Yes, it was an ad, technically, for this movie, Free Guy, but I thought it was great. It was a great teaser for MCU fans to be like, hey man, he's coming, you know what I mean? Kevin Feige's already talked about the fact that Deadpool is going to get his own rated R film that's going to come under Marvel and be in the MCU, so I'm excited. I'm excited to see how all this comes out. I like that Ryan Reynolds likes to have fun with this character. Perfect casting. Uh, he he plays Deadpool in his regular life, and I think that's hilarious. Okay, now that we've gotten through all that, let's talk about the only real news we need to talk about in this segment, and that's the Loki finale. How good was that? I don't want to overhype it, but that was one of the best pieces of MCU content that I've gotten since Iron Man 1. I'm not exaggerating. There's only a few things that I really like. Black Panther, uh, Thor Ragnarok, you know what I mean? Infinity War, like Guardians of the Galaxy. Of course, I love those films. Sure. But <laughs> this show hit something different, and I'll tell you why. It's not just the setup, but in casting Jonathan Majors, the execution of this really sewed together this season, this series. All of a sudden, I'm wholeheartedly invested. This is my favorite show of 2021 so far. I, I, I think Jonathan Majors. I'm gonna start watching everything he's in. I'm gonna. This has made me want to go back. I want, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna watch the whatever the the Cthulhu show, uh, Lovecraft Country. I'm gonna go back and watch um, uh, Detroit or or what is it? Uh, the Five Bloods. I'm gonna go back and watch anything he's in because his performance what he was able to do in like half an hour of screen time if that not even i think it's like 15 minutes of screen time mwah, oh my goodness he he that's acting bro and on top of that uh todd uh Hindleston, he did a great job great job amazing work i i i i think the acting chops of the people in this show, Ravona Renslayer, I believe her, B-15, I believe her, I'm sorry I don't know the act, these these actors and actresses' names, um, I, re- I really should, but this is the, like, best cast I, I've liked out of an MCU show, uh, show or property in a long time, bro, in a long, long time, like, I think Guardians of the Galaxy is probably the 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 next best thing in terms of casting. I loved the ending. I loved how it ended. It surprised me. I was worried something predictable was going to happen. And when I saw Kang, I didn't know what to expect. But as soon as he said, uh, what did he say? This is wild. And then took the bite of the apple. I was like, yo, okay. Yeah, I don't even care. All my worries went away. Please, I, I suggest if you haven't seen it, go see it. It doesn't matter that I'm ruining it for you. It doesn't, it, it's worth it still. It's still worth it because I can't explain to you all the, 
ins and outs and, and little pieces of the show. Yeah, man, I already like Loki. I already liked the the portrayal of Loki in the MCU. I just wish, I wish that I could get more Jonathan Majors. And I'm mad that this was a Mortis because I love this depiction of Kang the Conqueror. And I, could, and, and I know he will, but I hope that he can bring, they allow him to bring as much flavor and character to Kang on the big screen as they allowed him freedom on the small screen because the just the the texture in his performance was great every little idiosyncrasy and and micro movement it felt natural and fluid i believed him and there's so many times in mcu movies no offense where i'm like this is a guy named chris playing so-and-so you know what i mean he looks like so-and-so, he sounds like so-and-so, he's got the body and the voice and the whatever, cool, could strike a pose, cool, but at the end of the day, that's just a guy, you know what I mean, and I recognize that, but in this, the few actors in this show, I was like, I believed Owen Wilson, I believed um, uh, Todd Hiddleston, and I think if the MCU can focus a little bit more, lean a little bit more into some of the more weird, abstract stories within within comics and lean on their casting directors, lean on their set designers, lean on their costume directors. Yo, I think the MCU could just go on forever. I think they really got something going. I was worried about phase four, phase five, phase six, whatever. Whenever Kevin Feige retires, whenever blah, 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 blah. But no, it's just... There's a couple central things you really got to pin down and get right. And and it takes attention and care and the fans appreciate the attention and care. Say what you want. If you're a comic book fan and you hate the MCU, cool, whatever, I dig you. But I would say the exposure that it's given and the the new life that it's given to the comic book community cannot be understated. And I think it shows like this that give me faith that it's not all bad. It's not all just a perversion of this art form that we love. So I'm going to end it there because I could just talk about this finale forever. But Jonathan Majors needs an Oscar for 15 minutes of work. I just want everybody to know that first and foremost, straight up, best thing I've seen this year so far, just uh, on my television. So moving on, we're going to get into the big news now. Let's Let's sink our teeth into it, okay? First, this is so this is the platform war segment we scrapped sony we cut out microsoft because they got bumped for the big news that dropped what just this morning so first this morning nintendo decided that the oled pre-orders are going to go live today at noon uh, at the time of this recording a couple eight hours ago or so so if you're hearing my voice there's a good chance that you missed it because the reseller market is already popping. If you go to eBay, you will find Nintendo Switch OLED models for about $600, $700 and probably climbing. I wouldn't be surprised. Even though eBay supposedly has a policy where you can't sell tickets, you got to have the item in hand, blah, 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 whatever. Doesn't matter. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, what we're about to talk about next, the, the, the way that steam is going about their pre-orders will help enough teasing let's talk about the valve steam deck now 
IGN had a hands-on this week, and they just dropped it this morning, right after Nintendo announced that they are going live with pre-orders. Now, what is the Steam Deck? It is a handheld PC. Short and sweet. That's what it is. It runs custom Steam operating system, though they said you can switch it out for Linux or Windows if you'd like to. Um, it has it comes with 16 gigabytes of RAM. It has a 7-inch 1280 by 800 LCD screen that runs 800 hertz refresh rate. Its design comes with inline stick controls, so they're parallel to each other, like on the Sony controller, compared to uh, offset like the Microsoft Xbox controller. It also comes with game pads that act as mouse and keyboard. Uh, depending on how you want to play, which from what IGN was saying on their hands-on, again, it's IGN only that we're hearing this from so far, so we'd like to hear from a couple other sources before we go out and confirm this, but from what I understand, it's something to get used to, but you can get used to it, and it works, Uh, which I'm impressed with off-rip. If this even works a little bit, I'm super impressed that they can find a way I find a, a mobile way to do mouse and keyboard without mouse and keyboard, with just your thumbs. Um, they also have uh, buttons on the back of the controller, like the Pro controllers or the Elite controllers do. And it's going to come in three SKUs. So one is the $400, yes, starting at $400, 64-gigabyte model. Now, 64 gigabytes is not a lot, but for 400 bucks to be able to take that on the go, most other things around this, as you'll see, break even the top top skew price point for the uh, Steam Deck. Uh, the next skew they have is 256 gigabyte model for $529. Now, this, as well as the 512 gigabyte model for $649, come with an MVME SSD for faster loading. Um, and then I believe the 512 gigabyte also comes with a anti-glare screen protection. So yes, you have some variety here. Yes, the top mark is going to cap you out around $700. Cool. But they do have expandable external storage that you can run the games off of if you want to uh, put in your own SanDisk uh, micro SD. So that's really cool. And they're also having a situation where their reservations are open to people who've had a Steam account since June, uh, or since before June. So, reservations open Friday, that's tomorrow, or probably after you're hearing this recording, but at the time of this recording, uh, tomorrow at 10 a.m., Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific time, uh, to those, again, with a Steam account since before June. So, there aren't going to be a bunch of, there are going to be a lot of new Steam accounts made coming up, but people are going to have to register a Steam account, and hopefully that will slow down the bots enough for people to get their hands on this product. Again, hopefully because it is... I want to have faith that this won't get totally wrecked by resellers. I'm trying not to say uh, scalpers anymore because I don't like that term, but it... The resellers on uh, the secondary market on uh, on these consoles, on these graphics cards, it's getting out of hand. And I honestly, I'm itching for 2022 because I'm literally saving my money 
for a Steam Deck, for an OLED model, for an Xbox Series X, for a PS5, for a, a RTX 3080, anything. At this point, I will take literally any of them because there's not out of FOMO, but because I just want to be able to enjoy something as it's happening for once. I've always been behind um, the generation by a couple of years. Even with this Switch that I just purchased recently, I'm buying a Switch four years into this generation. That's a long time, man. That's a long time. So hopefully moving forward with the amount of things out there, hopefully we will hit an inflection point where people will be able to buy things in store once again or be able to pre-order things without issue once again or at the very least be able to get on a wait list or some kind of queue where you can verify that you're a real human being. Um, I think instead of trying to block bots, they should just try and get actual people, the, the system in the hands of actual people. They make money selling software. So if resellers are just letting PS5 sit in a warehouse, in the long run, they're losing money. So hopefully this new-ish strategy with Steam can help. Hopefully if this works... Best Buy, Walmart, et cetera, GameStop, we'll pick it up. But more likely than not, it won't work and they won't pick it up. So if you have the opportunity, go make your reservation, go pick one up before the resellers do and try and pick one up for a friend. I think that would be that would be good. We're going to go ahead and head into a break, guys. When we come back, we're going to go ahead and hop into five minutes of sports. It's probably going to run long like it does every week, but I like the name. <laughs> we're going to talk about the NBA Finals and a recent controversy with an NFL player. And then right after that, we're going to jump right into the trigger warning topic of the week. This week, we're going to be talking about difficulty in gaming, everybody's favorite topic. Um, and then we're going to finish out with a shout out of the week. Please come right back. We'll be here. Thank you. Okay, guys, welcome back. We're going to hop into the five minutes of sports. Now, what did we have this week? I'm going to talk about the NBA Finals in this game four. Now, if you didn't know, now you know the series is tied 2-2. Who knew we would be here this time last week? This time last week, we were talking about a sweep (laughs) from Phoenix. (laughs) Crazy. So let's talk about this game four. I'm going to run through it quick because I'm sure you've ran through all the nonsense and you just want to get to that crucial game five. But... In the final minutes of game four, Devin Booker alley-oops to Aiton, and it gets blocked by Giannis to give the Bucks a chance to lock up the win. This was an amazing play. I suggest you see it. Giannis comes in. He starts to slide up to guard uh, Devin Booker as he's driving down, and DeAndre Aiton goes up as he's open, and Giannis turns around, is able to beat him to the ball and swat it up against the glass and that they were up by two with about a minute left and that let them bleed the clock and end up winning the game <clears throat> now i was on twitter while the game was happening and i saw that rigged was trending and if you didn't know why it's because there was a lack of foul calls on devin booker he was swatting he was 
some of these look like flagrants and he he was not getting any calls to where people are feeling pretty jaded about the refereeing in the NBA right now. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, their viewership is is down this year, not only because it's not the Lakers versus the Celtics or something like that, uh, or or uh, the Lakers versus the Nets or something like that, but because uh, people don't have a lot of faith in the game, uh, which I find disappointing because the game is finally diverse and competitive, and it's not the same two teams going up against each other every year. Um, but neither here nor there. The game ends with uh, the the Bucks walking away with the win. The Suns finish with Devin Booker having 42 points and CP3 only coming up with 10 points. And then Chris Middleton leading the charge for the Bucks with 40 points and Giannis Attentacupo coming up with 26 points and two blocks, one of which certainly made the news. So I'm excited for game five. I can't wait. Game five in in Phoenix. Uh, let's see if Chris Paul can get his act together because I think he's the X factor in this series. No offense to Giannis, but I think Giannis is going to try and do the LeBron Superman thing and uh, can't overcome a well-executed plan. Um, and I think that's that's something that C- CP3 can bring to the table. It's just a matter of if him and Devin Booker can do it on the same day. <laughs> so... We'll see. We'll see. Uh, The NBA always excites me because that home court advantage really does make a difference. Now, moving on, we're going to start getting to some of our more serious topics of the week. Warning to some of our younger viewers, this is definitely going to be a bit of a heavier topic. So this week, uh, Richard Sherman was arrested early Wednesday morning and charged with burglary, domestic violence, and resisting arrest. Uh, He was released today without bail, but with conditions, uh, including he can't drink or take drugs that he's not prescribed. He has to stay away from people and uh, weapons and things like that. But he is currently being charged with, at least as of uh, filing Friday, we assume, Criminal trespassing, which was brought down from burglary, domestic uh, violence, down to criminal trespassing, malicious uh, mischief, DUI, and resisting arrest. Now, he is the VP of the Players Union, and the Players Union is monitoring the situation, and I believe they're going to conduct their own independent investigation. Now, what happened? The fact is, it seems like uh, Richard Sherman had an episode involving alcohol and a, a hell of a lot of alcohol, apparently, and trying to enter the house of his parent, uh, his father-in-law and mother-in-law and being asked to leave. And then he was pepper sprayed and then he left in the car intoxicated. That's when he crashed the car and was arrested. Roughly, allegedly, roughly, etc. I don't know how much of this is true. I tend to question the facts around high-profile black men and police. Um, It's just my natural inclination. I'm always like, but what happened, though? And before I judge, uh, I I try and keep those things in context. Uh, Though I'm not for any form of violence against any other person, I think somebody having a... uh, Someone in mental distress bringing police to the situation 
I think there needs to be a better solution to that. But let's hear from what Ashley Moss, this is his wife, had to say. Uh, She told the Seattle Times, quote, He didn't harm anybody. My kids were not harmed in the incident. He's a good person, and this is not his character. We're doing all right, just trying to get him out. I want people to know no one was injured. (sighs) This is tough because I usually have a a pretty hard-line rule about speaking uh, to sexual assault, domestic violence, and things like that. Uh, surrounding sports players or entertainers just because it's very sticky. But in this case, I know that Richard Sherman has always spoken about and spoken to mental health uh, awareness and actionable mental health awareness. He There's a reason he's the vice president of the Players Union. There's a lot of things that I admire about Richard Sherman, and I'm not just saying this just out of the blue, but like, Outside of sports, because in sports, I've talked a lot of smack about a lot of people. But as soon as we leave the field, I, I want nothing but success and health for for black men who are able to get out of circumstances they found themselves in at birth. I think that's awesome. And I didn't think anybody rooting against that is stupid and whack, racist. <laughs> but I did go ahead and I listened to the 911 call. I did want to talk about the 911 call for a couple of reasons. One, they should not have released that 911 call. I did listen to it because I was getting no information from the media about what was going on at the time because I was following the story somewhat in real time. Um, So I I listened to the 911 call because I needed more information on the story. And it's distressing. I don't suggest anybody listen to it. Uh, The 911 dispatcher upset me. Uh, That situation was was heartbreaking because it was clearly somebody trying to help someone they they loved and cared about. You know what I mean? And she asked specifically, she, she went ahead and said like, listen, he does not have a weapon, but he is drunk. He's a football player and he'll fight you essentially. Please don't shoot my husband. Please don't shoot my husband. Please. Like he doesn't have a weapon. He doesn't have a weapon. So, and uh, apparently at his arrest, it, 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 was an altercation he, he was trying to fight they had to use a canine the canine unit to to detain him which i don't really know what that means they took him to the hospital before they officially booked him all of this sounds i have a lot of questions man and the only thing i can honestly come back to in this story is that black mental health matters dude our mental health matters it's very, very important. Very important. And this is another example of somebody who fights for others and does his best, and I'm sure is trying to be at his best every day. And when you're not able to meet that expectation, how you deal with it shows what kind of health you're in. You know? So if you're in a place, if you're hearing this right now, and I'm not just talking to black people at this point, I'm talking to everybody. If you're hearing my voice right now and you are in a place of distress, reach out to someone, talk to someone, get something off your chest, connect with somebody, get it out. Don't isolate. And I hope that Richard Sherman gets all the help that he needs. I'm I'm rooting for him. I don't, I'm not going to talk about him like he's jail or something like that. From what I understand, all the charges were misdemeanors and he should be able to get out of this situation without too much trouble. But 
I want to express my support um, for somebody who I think needs it and deserves it and has earned, fuck deserves, has earned our support. So for all of those people who want to, you know, cap and tell jokes and this and that, I feel you because he's a loud mouth and, you know, that's how it goes. But at the end of the day, I never feel good when I hear about an entertainer losing their their shit, especially in public, especially about their family, especially around substance abuse and mental health issues. I, I don't like seeing that. It doesn't make me feel good. You know what I mean? And I And I hope that we can see Richard Sherman turn it around and it continue football if that's something that he chooses to do or continue to follow his passions in whatever facet that may that that may you know that may materialize as but we're gonna leave it there for now um I know it's a heavy topic but I had to give some love to Richard Sherman and show my support because at the end of the day it's important and we all love games here and sports are games you know what I mean and a, a gamer is in distress, man. And we can show some love and some support. Moving on, let's go ahead and hop into the trigger warning topic of the week. It probably won't be as serious as the Richard Sherman situation, but um, this week we have difficulty in gaming. Now, why do I want to talk about difficulty in gaming this week? Couple of reasons. One, uh, because it was announced a few days ago that Psychonauts 2 is releasing with an invincible mode. It is what it sounds like. It's a mode in which you are invincible. You don't have to worry about dying. You can just play the game, okay? You can focus on the story. You can collect what you want. You can progress through the story with little to no barriers. I understand what it is. But capital G gamers are pissed. They're pissed because they feel as though easy modes and accessible gaming or casual gaming is problematic or is destroying the culture or is diluting their experience. As if other people enjoying a game uh, makes you like it less. Uh, that's a very jaded and immature position to have. I do want to highlight the difference between difficulty and accessibility too, because I think there are some things that are accessibility that people get mad about that don't relate to difficulty. Um, I'll give you an example. One of the first accessibility features that I really ever noticed that made a really big difference in my life was a colorblind filter. Now, I'm not colorblind, but some of my friends and loved ones are and so when we were playing call of duty i was like oh bro why can't you do this why can't you do that they're like bro i can't see the difference between red and green so i'm i'm screwed i can't tell who's on my team oh man that that from that that point on i, I started noticing like oh okay because i would have to watch his mini map for him i'd have to play damn near alongside them in order for them to identify certain players until that accessibility feature was enabled so they were playing on a harder difficulty than i was by off rip so making that fair and making that uh difficulty the 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 naturally integrated difficulty of being colorblind and trying to play a video game 
trying to account for that isn't diminishing my experience. I can tell the difference between yellow and pink instead of red and green if that'll help. And the same thing goes for a bunch of features. I recently started developing Carpal Tunnel. It honestly breaks my heart because I like playing fast-paced games. So it's going to be hard for me to adjust. But you know what? If there weren't accessibility features in games like Spider-Man, The Last of Us, and this and that, that allowed me to switch from tapping to holds or exit out quick time events altogether, things like that, that at the end of the day aren't actually difficult. They're not the hard part of the game. The hard part of the game is is the puzzle. The hard part of the game are the decisions you make. The hard part of the game is deciding what you want your character to wear. Whatever part of the game you want to be the hard part should be the hard part. And developers creating games for more people to decide that is good. But saying that some people just aren't allowed to play because they don't have the accessibility to do so, I think is really messed up, man. (laughs) I think it's past gatekeeping. It's like, you want to keep all the toys for yourself, even if you're not playing with them. That seems silly to me. But, you know, let's move into the the part of the conversation that kind of draws my namesake of this show from. It's the hardcore versus casual conversation. Now, hardcore gamers or capital G gamers, whatever you want to call them, I'm not a hardcore gamer. And I wouldn't paint all hardcore gamers with the same brush and say, oh, you guys all have the same personality type, right? But from self-proclaimed hardcores, they they shit on casuals for liking linear games or simple games or easy games because it's not considered quote-unquote real gaming. Look. At the end of the day, hardcore players have to understand something. Casuals fund your next title. They fund your experience. Do you think that games like Dark Souls would have as many iterations? Uh, Do you think we would have gotten Elden Ring if it weren't for the thousands and thousands and thousands of players like me who buy games at full price and then decide that I don't like them and never play them again. And I'm not in the community. I'm not a fan. I forgot I, pl- I, I bought it. And that's not because I'm spoiled or privileged. It's just because I like games enough. I play enough of them that when it's not a big deal when I don't like something. And I'm happy to fund other people having fun. I just want to support communities that I like seeing in the space. And I'm not going to put that on Dark Souls fans like, it's them who I'm talking about solely. No, because I'm just as much talking about uh, League of Legends. I'm just as much talking about Dota and plenty of people in the PC gaming space. I'm talking about plenty of people in the fighting game community. I'm talking about plenty of people in the shooter FPS community and the BR community and the, the MMO community. Pick one. And people wonder why casuals exist it's because it's so hard to even get into a community y'all make it so hard to even want to be a part of your fun and what if i just want to have my fun is my experience genuinely ruining yours and you know what if it is 
don't buy the game. That's the secret. People want to act as if developers or publishers or their fellow gamers owe them anything. No, dude. I'm enjoying myself. And there's People got to understand that the, the average gamer is getting older, too. Not younger. We're living in the heyday of this. But those of us that grew up with games our whole life, like myself, bro, we have jobs. We have responsibilities. Gamers have children now. Gamers have children now. They're not just the children. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you have to leave room for people like me, people like parents and older people or younger people. Uh, Duh. What about kids, bro? You don't want kids to be able to play games? Like, that's gatekeeping, bro. Like, what? how did you start gaming? That's what I want to ask all the hardcore players out there who have a problem with invincibility mode or difficulties or uh, accessibility features or whatever. What game made you fall in love with gaming? Because that, that is what you need to be thinking about. Every time you you come sideways at people about wanting to just enjoy their experience when they're getting off of work or getting off of school. Maybe they're really busy and they work hard doing real things in real life all day. Like straight up, I love video games. I make a podcast about video games. I spend most of my free time that's not with my significant other, my family, at my job, or sleeping, playing video games. Or talking about video games or watching videos about video games. And I'm still a casual gamer. And I'm still okay with that. I play hella games on easy or normal difficulty because I just want to play the game. I just want to hear the story. Tell me a story. Make it interesting. Imagine that. It's the same thing that I see in other communities, not necessarily just video games, but just other communities within like the nerd, sci-fi, whatever space the tech space, the whatever space. This gatekeeping has to stop because it's going to turn it's going to turn the next generation off of us, bro. Straight up. And then you're never going to get your sequel because a bunch of kids aren't buying your game because it's not accessible to them. And I I like the idea of having games for everyone, but I hope that everyone can remember that. When they're enjoying their favorite game and they have to give a little. Like, oh, sorry, you lost that feature from this title. But it's here in a million other titles. There's a thousand games out there. Dude, just at the end of the day, bro, let people have fun. If you're not willing to just sit there and let people have a good time. If you're the type of person who sees a kid playing Zelda the wrong way. (laughs) And has to come down on them and... Show them the only way to play. Oh, this is how you optimize your... Bro, just let them have fun. I don't care if you're playing Dark Souls or Animal Crossing. I don't care if you're playing Dota or you're playing Madden. Have fun. Enjoy yourself. Because at the point that you're not enjoying yourself, I'll say it again. Maybe you should leave. Open door policy. No one's holding you hostage. Straight up. If you don't like it, don't pre-order. Don't buy the game. Don't support it. Don't follow them on Reddit and on Twitter. Don't comment about the game. Shut up. (laughs) At the end of the day, the reason I'm so aggressive about it and I'm so serious about it is because I want 
my young ones to be able to come into the gaming space easier than I had to. And not easier as in they don't have to pay their dues and fight for it. They're going to have to deal with challenges anyway in the gaming space because there's assholes everywhere. Stop pretending like that's not a part of the challenge too. So, I hope that those of you that have hard feelings about easy modes or invincible mode or linear gameplay or simple gameplay, I hope that you can kind of set the controller down and understand and remember where you were when you first picked up a controller or or where you were when you first booted up for me it was madden and game boy and uh and then uh my game boy i played pokemon pokemon yellow pokemon yellow and i want to say madden 98 Maybe Madden 2001, maybe that was the first one that I was really, really playing. So those are casual games. You know what I mean? Those are games that are boring or whatever compared to all these hyped up ass games. But I'm not going to put myself down about loving those because if I was just thrown the most hardcore game at the time, I might not be a gamer. You might not be hearing my voice. I might not be making this podcast and doing things that I enjoy doing. I might not have found something that I really love. All because of gatekeeping. All because of a hardcore mentality. Nah. We're going to end it there. I just want to send, you know, an olive branch to hardcores out there. I know you probably feel attacked. It's cool. If you got hard feelings, it's good. Come back. Comment. Tweet at me. I don't care. Holler at me, man. Wackops at gmail.com or on Twitter. That's W-H-A-C-K-O-P-Z on Twitter or W-H-A-C-K-O-P-Z at gmail.com. Yeah, subscribe. Share. Be a hater. I don't care. Just get, give me give me those uh give me those subs. <laughs> hit me with them downloads bro i don't care if you want to hate download my podcast i openly invite you to do so um but before we ended this week we're gonna go ahead and round it out with the shout out of the week now this is a double feature first we have a shout out to candace parker she is the first woman on an nba 2k cover um i think that is amazing Uh, Candace Parker has broken plenty of records. She's a Hall of Famer, and now she has her very own first in the gaming space, and that is the first woman on the cover of an NBA 2K. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, she's the first woman on the cover of a major sports title outside of golf. I think golf had one. Um, But shout out to Candace Parker. I think that's dope, and I think we should do this more often, especially with how many different versions of these games they want us to buy and purchase. I'm definitely, if I do buy a 2K, I'm definitely buying the Candace Parker version just to shout out and let everybody know that I need more of this, not less. And then, of course, uh, the main cover is going to be Luka Dondik. Shout out to Luka. Good for him. Uh, Been playing his ass off this year. And for the super duper special legacy, whatever the fuck they're calling it this year, edition, it's going to be Dirk, KD, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I'm very excited to see Kareem on a cover. 
Though I'm pretty sure Dirk was on a cover like just 10 years ago and Katie was on a cover like just like six years ago or like last year. I'm they're recycling a lot of cats. That's all I'm saying. Like, let somebody else get some shine. I'm mad last year was Dame's first year getting it. He better get like three more just like just cuz. <laughs> and then our second uh shout out of the week is Let's really, really give it up for this one. It is the Spelling Bee Championship, Zalia Avant-Garde. She is the first black Spelling Bee champion. I'm already super impressed with this young lady. And then you go in and you read about her and you find out that she holds three Guinness Book World Records for... Let me read them off to you right here. One, most bounces of four basketballs in 30 seconds with 307. Most basketballs dribbled at one time with six and most bounce juggles in one minute, which I'm going to be honest, I don't know what that is, but uh, most bounce juggles in one minute with four basketballs at 255. Now, I I don't know what to tell you. The young lady is a phenom. Y'all better be looking out for Zaya Avant-Garde. I can't wait to see her in the WNBA one day. I am so proud Please celebrate this young queen. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I love to see it. I hope that she can inspire more young black spellers, young black basketball players, young black record holders to continue doing what they want to do and following their dreams. I couldn't be more proud. Shout out to Zalia Avantgarde. With that, I'm going to leave you. It's been a week. Hopefully, I can continue to keep these episodes shorter and sweeter for you i'm trying to wind down the amount of stories i give y'all every week and give you a little more to chew on so um once again i am whack ops this is hardcore casual have fun be cool and stay dangerous (laughs) 